Reef Therapy by Reef Builders is brought to you by ICP Analysis. What's in your water? What's going on, Mark? How's, how's it going, been, man? How's your how's your week been? Busy. Busy, your, busy, busy. Your your week of reefing. Oh, my week of reefing's been good. <laughs> um, yeah, some some fun new lights on on reef builders. Did you see the 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 hybrid one with the uh, uh, induction lamp with LEDs in the middle? I saw it posted on my Facebook feed, but I hadn't clicked and read it yet. But I saw the stepper motors, and I was like, "Wait a minute, what's going on with this light?" Oh no, no. So you're talking about uh, the new light that I oh. posted today okay. that was first showed off like three years ago. Is the what's it called? Solartronic. So it used to be called okay. the Focus Two. So yeah, it's 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 been a really crazy few weeks for new lighting tech. We've got the um, LED and induction fluorescent hybrid. Um, we had the Solartronic with swiveling LED clusters. Uh, several weeks ago, we had the um, uh, Sky LED, um, and you know we're still kind of riding the wave of the Kessel A500. So a lot of fun technology. I think we should, uh, in a future session, take a, take a deeper dive into uh, all the different ways that lighting technology has changed and um, where it's gotten to today. But uh, on this session of Reef Therapy. Um, we're going to talk about something that that could be a, a hot button issue. Yeah, it might it might go into the get off my lawn zone. <laughs> <laughs> it it might, but I haven't had any coffee today. I only had tea, so I'm not quite as uh, uh, spirited as I might normally be. But I still think there's a lot of important things to say. Yeah. About the value versus cost and pricing of aquarium corals. Yeah. Um, All right, so let's do a proper intro. I'm Jake Adams. You are listening to Reef Therapy, and I am joined by Mark Vanderwall. Mark Vanderwall. Uh, Mark, you want to start it off on the, what you think about the, the value of corals, the cost of corals? Where do you want to kind of broach this topic? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I'll, so, so one of the deep thoughts I had about this was uh, 20 years ago, and I'm not going to go into like price comparisons and things were cheaper back in the day. But what I find interesting is, um, and maybe you have more insight into this because you're, you've been in that side of the business, but, um, there was a time where being a coral farmer. And when I say a coral farmer, I don't mean somebody out, you know, in Indonesia farming corals, but like somebody that's propagating corals stateside. Mm -hmm. Um, There was a a general consensus 20-ish years ago that there wasn't a lot of money to be had in being like a coral I vaguely remember that. And and stores would even emphasize that the corals and the fish were just the vector to get people to set up tanks, and the real sales were in the hardware and also in the maintenance, right? Yeah. And... um, so, so coral propagation was not a big money business back then, and I think that also lended itself more to people being more up for trading. And uh, now, now, I mean, I got nothing against people making money uh, and, and, and running a business and being successful at it, but now you see coral farmers driving, you know, German cars and living pretty good, which is a good thing, but... Um, it's just an interesting shift that's happened. And I think part of that is in the valuation of corals, but I also kind of wonder 
if you're growing corals and fragging them and you've got your own mother colonies that you're propagating from, that's a very time consuming, takes time, right? You got to grow them out. You got to use a lot of chemicals, uh, like uh, not chemicals, but additives, calcium, got to keep your algae up. You got to burn a lot through a lot of electricity to grow those frags. But now what you're seeing is I think, I wonder, and maybe this is jumping in too deep in the beginning, but uh, now, now with the predominance of a lot of chop shops, um, where they're bringing in mariculture colonies and fragging them into smaller saleable items, you don't have to grow that thing out for a year and, and build up your, your frag base to sell so you can make a quicker buck, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and to me, that is a fundamental shift in the way things were, let's say, 20 years ago to, compared to today. Definitely, like, right around the turn of the century, um, the, the, the community was smaller, and we kind of knew all the players. Like, there wasn't that many people um, propagating corals. Right. And the community definitely had a agreed-upon taboo against chop shopping or hacking and packing. This is different from cut-to-order frags from, like, your mother colony or something. Sure. Um, but definitely chop shopping was g- generally frowned upon. And uh, now people don't even ask. They don't even ask. Obviously, there's some strains that are not coming from the wild. Sure. Um, and <clears throat> I also used to be um, anti-completely, like, just hardline uh, anti-chop shopping because... Over time, you, you did see that, like, say, you know, a really nice colony of, um, at the time, let's just say, like, you know, a really sensational chalice coral came in and it would be cut up and, um, you know, a lot of those frags would die, but enough of them would live. And um, I, I'm coming on the fence, but, you, you know, the, I feel like an, an even blend of, uh, you know, cutting pieces and actually growing pieces because you know even if they're fresh cut if you get them to uh, encrust and color up and sprout up you know that's like 50 percent grown out but um, before we, we move any further I, I really want to make it super clear that mark and i we do not we, we don't judge anybody and no uh, no on how they run uh, their business like i said um you have to make your money where you can uh you know corals are um, you know, you can grow a coral out for two years and right when it's sellable size, it'll just slough off on you or, you know, just completely die or RTN. And so, you know, you have to make your money where it's, where you, you can. So we, we, we I'm not trying to, I'm, I'm not going to, I guess, shame any individuals on, on, on how they do things, but maybe we can shame the practices and, and some of the well, techniques <clears throat> or at least, uh, yeah, go ahead. Oh, well, I was going to say, uh, for me, the the act of like taking a mariculture or wild colony and chopping up and selling frags, I, I actually don't have anything against it because then that single coral is essentially ending up in multiple tanks, and that's kind of a cool idea. And I can also see it if, in the sense of if the mother colony is something that's relatively expensive, you know, getting a frag of it makes it more accessible, but. Mm-hmm. The question I have is when the frags start to end up in the multiple hundreds of dollars and I sort the vendor's page by alphabetic name Mm -hmm. and I can see all the pieces and I could essentially in my brain puzzle them back together. (laughs) 
Oh no. You know what I'm saying? And then I but then I started thinking, well, oh, so then no. what is the value of the mother colony if you if you look at the price of each frag and then how does that correlate to the value of the wholesale price, you know? And and so uh, to me that's that's just a question I have. It's not a judgment. Um I have- because like I said, I, if I could make money Grow, if I could be in the coral business, it'd be a lot, a lot of fun, right? Like it's a fun job, it's a passion. So it'd be, I, it'd be some stress, but yeah. I think we need to take a step back and try sure. to compare um, coral selling, coral propagating, coral harvesting to other industries. Sure. And one of the reasons that coral prices are all over the map is that. The closest thing that I can compare them to would be like produce, right? And on on some level, you have various grades, right? Grade A, grade double A, triple A, and then you have you know grades. Less, and we're talking about fruit. Um, certain types of fruit are not good enough to sell on their own, and so they might be processed and used in uh, I don't know as an ingredient or as a filler for a pie. You know, just saying. And then on the other end of the spectrum, you have like like choice. Uh, fruits that will go for crazy money in Japan, where they have an industry that is, you know, suited to grading every kind of fruit. But because our corals don't come from a factory, so they're not cookie cutter, and because you know when they come from either the ocean or uh, a coral propagator, um, however that, however they make their corals, the the condition of the corals is all over the place. And corals are still new and not, you know, uniquely identified. And in different regions, like certain corals might be quite rare, um, let's just say, in one part of the U.S., you know, southeast Florida, um, versus like the Midwest versus the West Coast. And so something might be locally scarce and hard to get, but on on a wider you know, when you on a global view, it's the, the the scarcity and demand is is just all over the map, and I think that's what's a part of what leads to uh, these pr- crazy prices all over the place. <clears throat> so, real quick to jump back to the previous topic, I, I'll just say if we were to time travel back to two thousand, and it was not as lucrative to uh, grow and farm and sell corals the end result was we had a lot less selection, right? We had a lot less options. Um, so I would argue today, you know, I think the fact that it is a profitable business for many folks is a good thing because we have a lot more variety of vendors and that's a good thing, right? Right. But I agree with you on that, uh, on on your point as well, in the sense that um, <clears throat> it's there's not really a standard around rarity, right? Like there's not... And you even see it like a specific, I mean, there's a coral that I had and I lost during the move because uh, I think I mistook it for like a piece of rubble. Oops. Yeah, oops. Um, and then I was like, wait, whatever happened to that? And then I was going to buy another frag of it. And the price range varied significantly from what vendor to vendor. Um, just a typical jack-o'-lantern leptoceris, right? Okay. So I would see them for $39 and I would see them for $99, right? Depending. Yeah. And it also depended on the size of the frag, of course. But um, it was just interesting that, you know, it something like that could be all over the place, right? And I would imagine in certain areas, a lot of people have it in their tanks and in a lot of areas, in other areas, people don't have a lot of it in their local kind of sourced areas, right? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but 
Yeah, I, I, how rarity is graded, to your point, like the fruit analogy, mm-hmm. I don't see much of a standard around that. No, no, not at all. And there's definitely a, uh, a hype factor and a FOMO factor, right? That fear of missing out. And you can create artificial hype by coming up with a silly name and trying to convince someone or that it's rare or scarce or it's really one of a kind. Yeah, I mean, it's cra- it's, just, it's really kind of mind-boggling when you go to certain vendors who have a lot of selection of, uh, uh, let's just say, whole colonies and maybe less frags. Um, every description is ultra rare, scarce, one of a kind, retina bleeding. And then the next description is something exactly along those lines. And like most of the corals on there will have that same description. And um, yeah, the, 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 the thing about the reef shows is that I feel like that really plays on FOMO because I feel it, right? You know that you're in, in a location and in a short window of time where a bunch of people are coming through and they're all looking for coral. They're all for shopping for coral. And you could make the rounds and go see, you know, what someone else is pricing a coral at. Uh, but by the time you come back, maybe that one colony uh, will be gone or that one exact frag you, you want will be gone. And, um, man, I've just taken a, a long-term approach to, man, I'm going to get that coral when I find it at a reasonable size and uh, a price that I can live with. Uh, so some great examples for me is the, um, I think I might have mentioned this before, but uh, my Miami Chalice, uh, first frag sold for, like, over a thousand dollars i picked up like a three inch diameter colony uh i think last year for 200 bucks but it was a colony it was like this freaking big and because it wasn't in the hype anymore nobody wanted it i mean it's got yeah. a pretty nice color but it doesn't you know really say make you say oh what is that what is that coral um so 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 yeah the, the, the pricing is, is all over the map and uh like shrooms you know uh there's there's this, there's definitely a double-edged sword, right? Because before the bounce room, we can totally you know trace it back to the original Rodactus bounce mm. from Worldwide Corals with those crazy neon orange vesicles. Before that coral came, that strain came around. Unless, except for Recordia and very nice humas, you couldn't get any money for single polyps of Rodactus or Discosoma. Like not, it's not, it was not, <laughs> that was not a thing. And so on the one side, you know, uh, a nice colony of just say purple discosomas might've been 60 to $99 if it was large and, and really covered. And now everybody's trying to sell you one, <laughs> one polyp at a time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, uh, another coral I want to, like I said in our last, uh, podcast that it's funny. I kind of, str- I've struggled with Rodactus and Recordias, uh, which for having a softy dominated tank, it's like, come on, <laughs> those are great corals to have, right? So again, I wanted to go get a Superman Rodactus and give it another go. And it's like one, some of these vendors, like one polyp, one, you know, mushroom was uh, 50 bucks. And I was like, hey, come on, man. And, you know, it's, and maybe that's the appropriate market price these days, but it's, uh, Again, it really depends on the scale, right? Yeah. If if you're if you're promoting that to a global audience and you're taking a macro photograph and you're trying to uh, highlight or accentuate a little extra fluorescence around the tips or the potential for some colorful vesicles in the center, um, you know, to the right buyer, that may, might be worth a hundred dollars. But here, actually, in Colorado, we've had a, 
a really nice blue and red Superman style Rodactus. Um, it came from kind of northern Colorado. And if you if you go around to the shops here, man, you'll you'll find some chunks, you know, with a few polyps that you know they'll have multiple examples, and those will be like forty to sixty dollars. But you know, like small colonies yeah. that might that might have changed in the last couple of years. But I know up up until I set up the studio, I already had a colony, and I would see them around. Yeah, I think, and I, I think the other missing part of the equation, when you look at some of the pricing, um, not when we get into crazy pricing, but even at the low ball, like lower level, fifty dollar frags, is that you know you see these vendors offering like free shipping if you buy one hundred and fifty dollars worth of coral or two hundred fifty dollars of coral. But the thing is, that's because they're building the shipping into the pricing, right? Oh yeah. So oh, yeah. Um, in the end, maybe it's not so bad if you buy a bunch of corals, you end up, you know, balancing out. Whereas, like, hey, you may find a vendor that's much cheaper, but once you throw $40 shipping on top, then, you know, it sort of all balances out anyway. So, mm-hmm. um, so that's, I think that's the other thing is, like, I'll see vendors charge more for frags, but then you go, okay, yeah, but if I get you know, $150 worth of frags, then the shipping is free. But the ironic part is like, you can get up to 150 bucks with just one frag, right? So, yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, anyway. Not the, the, you know, it, it's just, it's it's really hard to navigate, especially for a new, newer reefer. And I think, you know, part of the, the high price of, of corals has been sustained by a steady stream of newer aquarists who are not actually familiar with what's going to grow out and look great and what is legitimately rare. Like I have 10 super ultra rare corals um, that maybe nobody else in the the country has because they're so oddball, um, but they're gray and brown or green. (laughs) And and no one would, besides Julian, would point out and say, oh, what's that? I want a piece of that, you know, because they're super odd. so there's that, but definitely there's almost like a weird arms race um, when it comes to the pricing. Uh, right now we're, you know, with coronavirus and very high shipping costs, like the price is um, artificially inflated through logistics. So there's a there's certainly an aspect right now, probably like 20%, maybe up to 30% of the retail price, especially of colonies, not of, um, you know, locally made frags, that is shipping, man. I've, I've talked to a few importers um, right now, uh, the price of corals or shipping corals from Western Australia is 20 $25 per kilogram <laughs> and the the shipping of the coral can cost more than the coral itself so you can buy a yeah, $2 coral crazy. and land it for 20 <laughs> after it has a long flight um, to wherever it's going but probably the biggest issue is the hype you've seen the hype um, on the forums and you see people hyping out corals that they're just about to cut up, you know, for their own benefit or their friend's benefit. Um, and the, 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 the producers and the harvesters and the coral farmers, they see that, right? That Everything was my question to you. International. And they're like, why am I selling this coral for, I mean, you would not believe what the price of corals, wild corals used to be. I mean, you're talking like two, three, five ten dollars before like the 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 shipping really exploded i mean some of these coral pieces were just so freaking cheap like green star polyps i mean that would have landed in la for like seven dollars of a big old colony 
you know, and then that would be, you know, probably wholesale for like say 25, 30 bucks. Um, and then that would retail for 50 to 60 bucks. <laughs> Good luck finding a rock of really nice green uh, neon star polyps now for anywhere near that. Um, if anybody's even bothering to, to, to play with them. But yeah, you know, there's definitely like this weird arms race where, um, you know, the select dealers in certain markets in Asia, Europe, America are putting like a, you know, a really premium price tag on corals. And it doesn't matter what the coral actually sells for, (laughs) you know, Uh, because the exporter or the collector or the coral farmer sees that and like, hey, I want a cut of that. I I could, you know, you can afford to pay a couple bucks more. And because then the price goes up, the wholesaler has to sell it for more. The retailer has to sell it for more. And then they have a, a newer, higher price tag. And then it just goes back to the beginning. And we've had this feedback loop for like 20 years, which has caused, you know, regular rocks of, of shrooms to go for from 40 to $60 for a junk, a big old colony to the same price or more for a single polyp. Yeah. I, cause I'm being an outsider. I had two questions around that. Um, and one was, uh, I, I don't know if, you know, you're, you, you don't have a crystal ball, but, um, as more flights resume from Australia, from Indonesia, uh, with COVID, you know, slowly going away, um, as, as there are more flights and the cost of those flights goes down, would we actually see corals start to drop as much as we expect? Because like my local fish store, the owner brought up a good point that, you know, when he suddenly had to pay higher wholesale prices, he was ner- he, he said, you know, I, I wasn't sure that people would pay these prices for corals. I, you know, he, if I brought them in. Um, and I think the example he gave was Goni Opera, but he's like, but sure enough, somebody comes in and buys it and he's like, okay, my, what I thought was the psychological or, or barrier of entry, like what the limit was for what somebody was willing to pay was not where it was. People were willing to pay more. So that's, that's now out in the open, right? That's exposed. Like, oh, people are willing to pay that much. Um, and the, so even if things become more, um, cheaper, further down in the supply chain will the retail customer actually still see that or or maybe not as much that's that's one question i have the other question i have is if i'm a coral farmer and i'm mariculturing corals and i see folks in the u.s chop my mariculture corals up into smaller pieces and selling them why wouldn't i just start doing that too i'm just gonna start shipping smaller maricultured corals you know i'll that are, chop that them up small wait for them to reasonably heal. frag yeah yeah well, all right. So there's that's a multi-part question. Sure. You know? yeah. And and um, one thing I do want to make clear is that the export prices of corals from Indonesia, Fiji, um, they were like slave labor prices, yeah. right? You know, two to three dollars for assorted soft corals. I mean, even in Indonesia, like that's just not even paying the bills and the overhead and the gas and like they, you know, they're buying some rice, but that was some really low wage for those people in developing country, you know, um, I'm not sure if Indonesia qualifies as a third world country. I would definitely say it's a developing country, but we don't have that third world, first world, something in between. Um, so to, to be clear, some the farmers, the actual farmers who, who put in uh, investments into their farms um, and into their people, because there's a lot of paperwork involved, man. They don't just yeah. take a coral and <laughs> shove it in a bag and send it off. There's, there, it's, it's a pain. Um, so they deserved 
uh, to increase their prices, especially the um, Indonesian coral farmers who had a, a long hiatus for was it a year and a half, almost two years? Um, so that was one part of the question. What was what was another part of the question? <laughs> well, no, I agree with you. It's sort of like oh, the same principle the of fair trade coffee, right? I mean, yeah, yeah, it's very very similar. Um, um, the other one on the freight prices. So I don't remember what it was, but was it like ten years ago? Like Congress, I think maybe passed a law that allowed the airlines to charge for luggage. I know I'm getting some of these de- details wrong, right? They were having a hard time, and maybe it was after the financial crisis. I'm, I know I'm getting this wrong, so don't don't blast put me on blast in the comments on this one. Um, but the airlines, you know, just to kind of recoup some costs, they they started charging for for uh, for luggage and for ca- and then for carry-ons, and then the airlines are doing fine and. Did, did they stop charging for, for luggage and for carry-ons and all these you know little things? No, they just kept that, right? They just kept that as part of their bottom line. And so, you know, at the beginning of the chain, like, do you think, I mean, airlines, it's going to be a while before airlines feel um, the pressure to go back to normal prices or at least, you know, bring it back to close to where it was. I mean, prices are always going up. And, but when they do, do you think Joe Wholesaler is gonna turn around and be like, oh, okay, great. Now I can ch- sell my corals for lower. No, he's gonna enjoy that extra margin and he's gonna sell his corals for more <laughs> for the same as he always had, but he's gonna be making a little bit more money. It's like, it's human nature to a, to a degree, right? We, so yeah. like, I wanna say this again, we're not harping on anyone, maybe certain no. practices, but I, th- I think we have a really nice bow at the end of this entire discussion, because I know where I want to end up, but we're we're you know meandering on the way there. So so I don't think the airlines are going to drop the prices, and if they do, I don't think the people in, you know in the supply chain are going to be eager to give that you know the, this newfound margin back to who their customers and on and on and on. No, I mean first of all, <clears throat> I I uh, for me I look at it from an observational objective point of view because you don't have to buy any of these corals, right? So like you don't have for to anybody to get upset about it, it's like, just don't buy it, you know, go buy mm-hmm. a $30 frag of something so else. True. Um, <clears throat> sorry, excuse me. Um, but um, for me, it's just observational. I find it interesting, right? Like if, if you know, uh, and, and maybe that's the answer to my first question is that if demand does start to go down post COVID, right? I mean, there was somebody was talking about that bunch of people got COVID pets and now, now that they're going back out into the world, they're abandoning their pets, which is horrible. Um, and, well, that's, a, that's an interesting point because last – so annually, the, re- the aquarium hobby has uh, experienced a lull, like a significant yeah. uh, dr- uh, slowdown in, in sales and activity in the summertime. You know, um, I always called it the summer doldrums uh, when I worked retail stores. We spend that time to build new displays and just kind of revamp uh, equipment and do some, you know, annual maintenance and um, maybe try to work on some bigger setups instead of just kind of general sales in the shop. Um, and so last year, through COVID and everything, there was no, there was nothing. It was did not slow down. It was just like a straight flat line of growth. And this year, let's see, we're already in early June. You know, right when the kids get out of school, do kids still go to school now? Like, <laughs> out of touch. I don't know. Yeah, my kids are out of school. Uh, okay, right. When they went to school and they're out of school, then it's time to for vacations and and going out and doing things and enjoying the outdoors. And so this year we are experiencing that. So. It'll be very interesting to see 
if that the, the COVID pet, you know, shedding syndrome adds on to the, the reef aquarium um, boom that we've experienced in the last year and a half. That'll, that'll be interesting. Uh, and I'll be here to collect all those used corals. <laughs> yeah, and um, going back to the folks farming it and everything, um, the one thing I do try to remember in all of this is that these things, in a way, should not be cheap, right? If you're yeah, that's pulling something point. out of the ocean or you're growing it in the ocean and there's people maintaining these mariculture farms and it gets on a freaking airplane and it goes to LAX and, you know, these are delicate animals and I feel like they should, uh, marine life should never be at like guppy pet, pet smart prices, right? I just, it's, God, it's. I remember Mark Sherman, who still has a, a store here locally, which is mostly focused on freshwater. Yeah. Um, in late in 1999, if you showed up on Fridays and you bought the the acros out of the bag, you could get four colonies for a hundred dollars. <laughs> I know you know they were mostly Fiji, and so there's you know a couple dozen varieties that you might you might get. Um, but four colonies for a hundred dollars? Oh my God! You were saying if I could go back in time, like if I could go back in time, I would buy a lot of coral. <laughs> Oh man, but the Bob Mankin era, right? Like the Bob Mankin era, but um, <laughs> it's a good point. It's like on the one hand, like we're used to certain corals being cheap, but on the flip side, like yeah, these are delicate animals that should enjoy a lot more care along the way, so that they're well taken care of, and you know, definitely have a lot more respect for. I wouldn't say respect, but more esteem for companies that focus on value and quality and health versus volume and hot potato and flip it as fast as you can. Yeah, and then on the hobbyist side, right, you will not think of it, you will be less likely to think of an organism as a disposable thing if it's expensive. Uh, I mean, that's just, an, I mean, I'd like to say that we all treat all animals with respect, but. You know, one if a twenty dollar fish versus a two hundred dollar fish, a lot of people out there are going to put a lot more effort into taking care of that two hundred dollar fish and buying the right equipment for it than than a twenty dollar fish. So there is that side benefit, right? When something's expensive, you're going to care for it better. So this this whole conversation is uh, uh, an exercise in the abstract. Like yeah. On the one side, we're like, oh, corals are so expensive. Why are they so expensive? They shouldn't be this much. And on the flip side, you're like, well, you know, corals are, are to be appreciated and respected. And that goes with fish. And they should cost a lot more. <laughs> I'm literally holding these two opposing ideas in my mind at the same time. Like I said, I have a great bow to put on, on this conversation. But um, yeah, let's talk about art. Oh, Okay. Yeah, you know, there's a there's a well-known syndrome in, in the art world that if you paint a, a painting and, and price it at $100, depending on what it is, uh, most people are probably not going to look at it very hard. And you take that same painting and price it at $15,000, and people will at least just look a little closer and be like, well, well, why? And um, not going to name names, but man, I swear, there's a couple guys out there that are almost predatory with their pricing for corals that they haven't grown out that they have they didn't know nothing about they don't know what those corals are going to look like because they've never grown out and they're sounding like just you know historically small like the, a frag of acropora where you can count the number of coralites is not cool unless it's free it that's just look like not this. cool 
<laughs> yeah, that's an awesome shirt right there, man. I love the, the negative branches, black and white. Man. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Frags these days are like are like that. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Exactly. Um, you know, we used to have a, a term for it um, called boogers when they were you know so small but at least workable. But now I have to come up with a new category that I call shard, where yeah. you're like, I don't even know if that's an acro or parietes or a, a stylophora or. Uh, or I'm looking around, <laughs> or just a, an encrusted piece of sponge. It's like it's so freaking small, and um, but again, it's like no one has to buy a coral. Um, but there's definitely a few companies that will put like a, a crazy, and I would barely even call them companies. Let's call it, you know, put it out there. They they'll put a crazy price tag on some coral that they've never grown out. Put a silly name on you know on a strain that's from a mariculture farm, so it's not rare. It's it's coming in from multiple different directions and multiple people are fragging it and keeping it in different conditions and it's developing different colors and, and appearances based on the conditions and you can't really tell them apart but man i'm telling you the coral farmers in indonesia there's not that much diversity to go around like first of all any of these rainbow tenuous ain't none of them wild none of them are wild they're all farmed right but it's because it goes back to the produce um, aspect, the condition and the quality and the grade is all over the place. And I'm telling you, like uh, most of these coral farmers, they might have, I don't know, 10, 12 different strains of rainbow tenuous and they buy from each other and they might even steal from each other. They might have farms right, you know, next to each other in certain regions of Indonesia that have been, you know, identified has been really uh, conducive to coral growth. So they're not going to go find a whole new section of, you know, coastline to grow the corals on. It's going to be right next door to this dude. And, you know, when they're not looking, you just run over there, grab a frag, put it on your <laughs> table, and start growing that out. Like, it's, that's human nature. I think I would even do that. <laughs> I mean, it's weird to say that, but I'm like, you don't own that coral. You own, you know. Um, so, 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 yeah, there's definitely a, an art aspect of putting a crazy price drag on something, and somehow that convinces people of the value of the coral. Again, like, I want to end on the value note, but none of us have to buy this stuff, so we don't have to complain about it. But you and I, you know, we're, we're here to, to rant a little bit. Well, <clears throat> yeah, for me, it's like when I see the Micromusa frags, when I see the Favia frags, I mean, I don't know the scale of some of these shops and their operations, but I'm like, I tend to start to wonder if those are either wild or maricultured colonies that were identified. Oh, that's the, that's the Ultron Favia right there coming in in this shipment. Let me take that. Let me chop it up. Um, I could be wrong. I don't know. It's just, I've grown these corals in my own tank and sure I'm not, you know, running a carbon scrubber, carbon dioxide scrubber and like tweaking everything for maximum growth and feeding them heavily. But I just can't imagine they're very good for propagation uh, mm -hmm. in terms of just getting a, a steady supply of frags and availability unless you just have a crap ton of mother colonies, you know? Yeah. Um, no, I mean, here's the thing. If, if you can um, verify and, and find some, some coral fenders that um, you have a lot of faith that they are primarily um, culturing their own corals when you it's it's like it's like customer service when you know that that guy has grown that coral under certain conditions maybe a variety of conditions you know and you pay a, a, a premium but reasonable price for that coral you're going to be able to call him up or her up 
and, and get incredible amounts of detail and information about the growth pattern and behavior and long-term development of that coral in your particular environment. You know, um, that's, that's some crazy value when it's a, and I feel like, you know, there's a lot of, of, of uh, crossover between the, the different uh, topics that we've had. And I feel like this, this pushback, this almost this, this anti-intellectual pushback against knowing the real coral names, that is being perpetuated by uh, some of the coral vendors who have an inherent stake in keeping people confused about what corals really are so they can give it a goofy name. And you know what? If it doesn't sell this week, next week we'll give it a different name, take it under slightly different coloration, we'll call it something else, and then, you know, maybe it'll move. And that's, that's, like, that's like no different than, um, you know, people selling flowers or produce or, or, or livestock or pets, you know, anything that doesn't come from a factory is, is prone to that kind of psychological manipulation. Well, and again, uh, like I said, I, I don't really have anything against a chop shop because I kind of like the idea of a wild colony getting distributed. Right. But, uh, I mean, I remember we used to do that at our local clubs. Like we'd all pitch in and like you and I did that a few times. Mm -hmm. We, we would buy a coral and then chop it up together um, and split the cost, but just call it what it is, right? Like call that's all I'm saying is. is like they're being like a I little said, bit obfuscating of it. You know, they're kind of like making it seem like they grew these things in their in their warehouse under lights, and and these are aquacultured, and but they're not. And just so call it what it is, man. And I'll still buy it. You know, <laughs> you, you know, um, I, I did notice that very recently. One of the major players, and I don't want to name any names. Because if I start naming names, then I need to You're start throwing out all the names. <laughs> no, no, it's not about <laughs> the trouble. Kidding. It's just like I don't want to. But you know, one of the major players, you can guess who they are. They recently started doing something super cool. They started um, showing the colonies. That's cool. their own colonies under you know regular lighting, and that, that gives you two things. One, like a, a tiny little frag always has the best colors, like yeah. just absolutely concentrated. The growth tip, the growth margin, which is different from the growth tip, then the growing edge or encrusting edge, and man, if you've ever seen a, a colony of a Superman or a Rainbow Monty, um, or sorry, like I say, a frag, one or two inch, freaking amazing. Keeping that coloration across like on a big encrusted section, that is next level, but it's very easy to do in a half inch to a one inch frag, right? Have that crazy growth margin with super bright polyps. Um, so uh, this is something I'm, I'm really gonna be pushing for is like, tell me a story. Mm -hmm. You you want to sell this coral for, you know, a, a you know, groundbreaking <laughs> price? Tell me a story about the coral. Tell me where it came from, geographically, or who cultured it first. Tell me, um, you know, add value, like add to the story, add yeah. to the experience. Tell me, you know, what kind of conditions is it like? Um, tell me a couple anecdotes about that coral. Tell me about the time it almost completely died back on you, and then it was so hardy and wanted to live in your tank so much that it came back oh, brighter and stronger and growing faster than ever, you know? But definitely a great first step is show us your mother colonies. I feel like anyone who is who's legitimately propagating and, and growing, culturing corals in a captive environment show us your mother colony show us what it's going to turn into you know a great example would be the um the pink cadillac acropora um we know what that is you know it doesn't matter who it came from but a frag looks amazing a colony yeah you know what from across the room all those colors kind of blend it's kind of brown 
Yeah. You know, you look closely at that beauty cover magazine photo of pink Cadillac and you see the tips, you see the base color, you see the colored polyps, you see the the encrusting edge. But when you see one grown out and you take a couple steps back, you're like, I I don't know, that car wouldn't even grab my attention. (laughs) Wouldn't even like, I wouldn't even like lean in to look at it a little bit closer. Well, and you build you build up the mythology a bit more, you know. I mean, that's the the old named corals, the Oregon torts and the purple monster and, and the Langsai cat. Langsai, perfect. I mean, the guy's name is in the coral name, right? But there's there's a there's a mythology, not a mythology, because that. No, I think uh, mythology is great. But yeah, there, there's a story, right? So so there's start a, a story and a history, and yeah. so many people have that coral. We're getting back on the coral names, but those corals, man, they are just so special. Yeah, and I mean, I also get that inflation plays a part and all that. Um, but I guess a good analogy for me is like if you're in the if you're really engaged in the hobby, like someone like you, right? It's like you don't really notice your own kid growing up, but then when you see like your nephew, like every family reunion, you're like, holy crap, that kid's grown, right? <laughs> yeah. So for me, that was always like with corals, where I mean, you know me, I've always kept a reef tank but I, I i'm not always in the market for corals like eventually my tanks filled things are growing out and then i just i'm in maintenance mode i'm sort of like the guy that witnesses the nephew at the family reunion where it's like a year goes by and then i jump back in like mm, i'm gonna get some corals and then i'm like holy crap what's going on here <laughs> you know i you know it's I, this is the first time i've had this many tanks i got like 50 feet of tanks and for probably like a year and a half, man, I was in acquisition mode, like hardcore. And then I put the brakes for six months, like the last six months of last year. I was like, you know what? I really don't want anything more. I want to take care and, and really um, get everything that I have in the place where it needs to go um, in perfect condition and, and groomed and curated properly. And so... You know, with things kind of opening back up this this year, I, I, I was on that track again, and now I'm I'm backed off again. So for six months, I'm like, yes, yes, let me get it. And I think in the last nine to twelve months, I've gotten shipments from almost everybody that you might know of, right? Probably yeah. like thirty shipments, but sometimes it might literally be just like one little frag, and you know, with shipping is like sixty, seventy bucks. Um, uh, but yeah, right now I'm I'm back in the mode of like, all right, let's let me stop, hang back. I actually need to get rid of some corals because some of the corals have just grown. Um, so I'll figure out how to do that. All right, so let's talk about the life sales. I feel like life sales is um, it's predatory on people's fear of missing out. And again, <laughs> just preface this where no one needs a coral. No one has to buy a coral, right? But it definitely makes you scratch your head as a lifelong aquarist where, you, you know, you see a coral's uh, retail sticker price is like $200 and then life sale price is $30. Like, really? Is, is that the kind of industry that we want to be, you know? And on the flip side, like, it, it's exciting, right? If you're participating in an auction style, um, you know, like eBay or the life sale, you, you, you have to p- you be plugged in. And there is an excitement to it. There's an experience part to it. Um, but that's just, uh, I don't know. What do you think about life sales? It's funny you brought up, because you brought up the FOMO at like being at a reef convention and everybody's mm-hmm. staring at the same coral and you're like, oh, I better get that. But while you were saying that, I was thinking like, well, there's some online equivalents of that, right? And I, I came, I thought about live sale um, as a specific example. The, the, the less 
so one that I also thought about is like, you know, I, I know I'm not the only one that at 6 p.m. Eastern is hitting refresh on Live Aquarius Diver's Den, right? Like you're like, ooh, and then you see like that fish you want. You're like, oh, I got to get it in my cart before somebody else does. And then you end up buying a fish that you weren't sure about getting anyway. But um, but yeah, the, I, I can't keep up with the live sales. And a lot of people are like, well, corals are affordable if you just do like the live sales. You know, like don't buy them when there isn't a live sale. And I'm like, man... Do we really have to play this game? Yeah. Like, do we really have to play this game? Once again, you know, it's exciting to see a coral that was priced at $200 now being sold for $30. But, like, where's the value? Like, what does the coral actually cost you to produce? Yeah. You know, when a coral goes from 200 to, you know, like 75% off, 80% off, like, you're like, did you grow that coral? <clears throat> because you feel like that those, those steep price cuts are probably mostly on chop shop corals, right? And so, you know, let's just say take like a, a wild candy coral or wild moon coral uh, brain, like a Favites or Favavia, that's probably gonna have, you know, somewhat muted coloration or is, is pretty common. Uh, you might pay 50 bucks for that, but you might make, mm, I don't know, 25, 30 frags, still sell those frags for $40. So you're turning a, a $50 coral into, uh, my math is bad right now, too much drinking. What's what's twenty five times fifty? Thousand dollars, a thousand dollars. You know, if you get that money, but then you put it on clearance for you know ten dollars. And like, all right, that's well, and yeah, no, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, that's probably a chop shop coral because if you actually really grew that coral, that value is not going to shift from you know by seventy five to eighty percent, honestly. What? It's funny because that's where the puzzle piece and thing came in because I was, um, I remember clicking on a vendor's live sale and, um, <clears throat> you know, you go to page two, page three, and there's like 30 pages of corals. But I was like, man, there's, it's like a, a recurring theme of the same corals. And I was like, that's weird. And so then just, I was like, well, you know what, let me just sort by alphabetical name and that way I can skip through the corals I'm not really that interested in. And that's where I was like, you know, it's kind of funny when you do that. You can kind of see all the pieces that were like part of an one coral, you know, and I just had yes. to laugh a little bit like, okay. Yes, and then you know that that was a chop shop coral. Yeah. Like that was a, you know, fairly affordable wild coral, but just because it went through the hands of this one person, oh uh, yeah, now they, you know, they're trying to multiply the value from $40 to $1,000, which again, you know, make money how you can, but is that is that a sustainable way to run a business? And if it's, Listen, if it's a $300 coral and now you've chopped it 10 ways and you're making it accessible for me at $30 a frag, that's fair, man. That's, that's great. That's very different, you know? right? But I love what you're saying about, you know, the whole alphabetical and you can kind of like visually put the pieces of frags Tetris, back together. Man. They're not even like healed or, or encrusted or anything. Um, but yeah, I tried to follow up on one set, a life sale one time, like literally one time. And it was just such a gamification because there was this, um, this drive to get people to post and post and post and comment. But like, all right, you know, whoever guesses how many frags we're going to put up on our next drop, you know, you get a $10 coupon towards your order. You don't actually even win anything. And there'd just be like pages of numbers, people posting one number. <laughs> like, it's not for me, man. Like I said, I play a really long game when it comes to corals. And um, I think, I, did you have any other major points that you want to get into before we both settle into how we feel about our coral acquisitions? Um, let's see, I made some notes, which I think for the most part, 
I covered. I the only other observation, and maybe it's subjective and just in my head, but I was like you back in the day, where if something was out of my price range, I would just wait it out a year or so, and then it would be affordable. But it seems like the value holds that the price seems to hold longer now, and I don't know why that is. It's like that if you. You know, like orange Capricornus was hard to get at one point, right? But it rapidly, and that's a fast-growing coral, so maybe that's mm-hmm. a bad example, but it rapidly dropped in asking price. Um, now I see corals that two years ago I wanted to buy, and they're still expensive. And I'm like, all right, still waiting for that price to drop on that thing. And part of that could be these are slower-growing corals. They're harder to propagate um, because, you know, I mean, bounce mushrooms is a good example, right? Um, they are, s- but they're not. They fast grow growing. steadily, but yeah. they're not just like shedding baby polyps the way a discosoma used yeah. to. Yeah, and um, or jawbreaker mushrooms, right? Those are notoriously slow growing. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So that one kind of kind of makes sense. There's just um, a very slow production rate, and the true jawbreakers are going to be cultured. And yeah, they're they're not putting out um, a lot of offspring very quickly. That's fair. I mean, maybe that's my interest being no longer really in, at least for now, I'm not really into SBS. Uh, So maybe my observation of things holding their higher value longer is simply because my interests have shifted to perhaps corals that are not as fast growing and propagatable. So, so. I want, I want to kind of want to like talk about the, the the story of the weeping willow leather coral, like that's a that's a strain name that's like almost internal family community. You've seen it in multiple tanks over like decades, and I remember when I started sharing that on reef builders, I had two thoughts. One, I love this coral and, and it's awesome, and I I just. I just wanted I just want to share it. And my second thought, like and this was a hoop dream. I was like, ah, oh, maybe maybe putting the weeping willow out there will make people care about brown leather corals. And I would say, you know, for the last 3 or 4 years, I had forgotten that second fact and I was more um, peeved that so many people were just slapping the weeping willow name on on uh, brown leather corals. But then on the flip side, all of a sudden now, brown leather coral fracks are going for ridiculous prices, and they have nothing going on. They might be a little bit long polyp. I think I mentioned this in a previous video. Like, um, I saw I saw some brown leather corals, like super hyper average, that should have been almost like throwaway frags, like or just like freebies. They were priced at eighty five dollars, and then more recently, I saw a nondescript. Not even long polyp, not even pretending to have the name Weeping Willow Leather Coral. It was priced at $129.99 on eBay plus $39.99 shipping. So we're talking about a frag of brown leather coral going for, or at least asking price for almost $200. Like that's unheard of. But on the flip side, I know that like, you know, two or three years from now, I'll go to a bunch of reef shows, go visit more aquarists and more reef shops, and there's going to be like this crazy diversity of like brown leather corals that people are proud of. That's going to mm-hmm. be amazing, you know. So I've like, I had forgotten that second part of like, oh, maybe people will start caring about brown leather corals. I'm like, now I'm like, oh, you care too much about brown leather corals. Well, it's funny because. <laughs> Yeah, like <clears throat> Japanese green weeping willow leather or whatever, and it was like a $100 frag. 
And then um, for almost the same price, I just saw like a Sarcophyte and Elegance, a yellow Tonga leather on Live Aquaria. Mm-hmm. For a wild colony. I don't think it was maricultured. It was about the same price. It wasn't like crazy $300, which if you think about it, a banana yellow leather. Yeah. Now, granted, it's going to look like crap under everybody's blue lights, but, yep. uh, you know, yep. unless you yep. like daylight spectrum like I do, it's probably mm-hmm. not the coral for you anyway. But uh, I just kind of find it funny, like, that's a really cool coral, and that's a colony, and it's about the same price as, you know, a booger, as you called it, of, yeah. like, some Japanese... Is it really from Japan? That's the other thing. Like, maybe it is, but I'd love to learn about where, you know, like, how, how did it come from Japan? And and that's the thing. Here's the thing. Like, some of these corals might actually come from Taiwan, but just to make them sound more exotic, they'll say they came from Japan. You know, or vice versa. Like, who knows? Like, I just want to know the truth. And um, I, I'm really coming to a new realization, like a, a new chapter in my reef aquarium career. Because, like, man, ever since I was like 13, 14, and I got my first royal grandma, then I learned about the black cap grandma. And I was like, ooh, that's special. What After I got that? a yellow yeah. tang, I'm like, oh my God, there's a purple tang. That's good. It's from the Red Sea and they cost $100. 1990, that was 1995. That was a lot of money. And, and, and on and on. And then once I got the black cap grandma, I learned about the green stripe grandma, you know, grandma Linkai. I'm like, oh, those are unobtainable. Like no one's ever seen that. And I feel like I have been raising my own expectation of marine life for 20 years and i've done this a little bit at the studio where i've you know i've been culturing some of these exotics well now i have to say uncommon instead of rare because rare doesn't mean anything so i say uncommon when i'm talking about my branching and kind of pora or my palau australia or some of my strains of montes um because they're not hype i'll just say uncommon but um you know i got this very expensive double clam and it's incredible and i hate it because every because clams you know they can die on a dime yeah. and uh, no one knows anything about this clam and so it's like a super exciting I'm, if i if i get through it with this clam i am going to love it forever but right now it is sucking up so much of my attention because i'm fretting over it right because it's cost so much and i don't really enjoy that thing it, i mean it does it's not more presentable than one of my large dorasas that i got for no money for like pocket change you know a couple of years ago that's almost the same size and um same thing with the fish on reef builders you know if we try to stir up attention and excitement right it's, it's about cheerleading for the hobby by constantly um rallying around these rainbow colored acanthophilias these psycho colored spirographs galenias and these fish that you've never freaking heard of and um just you know it's really becoming clear to me that i don't really get more enjoyment out of some of these crazy exotics but i might um have a lot more stress you know and so i think over the next couple years i'm gonna just go back to purple discosomas and standard hammer corals and royal grammas and pajama cardinal fish and um green speaking my language you know I, I enjoy these things from across the room like regular orange acans like I'm, I'm going back man i'm going back to my roots there's a reason some of these really common fish are so widely popular and just have like this timeless quality and you know what 
I'm going to save a lot of money and I'm going to enjoy the hobby so much more because I'm not stressing over a $200 single polyp of some crazy name Zoanthid. Give me the Bam Bams. Give me the Rastas. Give me the, you know, the purple deaths and the purple people eaters and some standard kind of, you know, pink Zoanthids and they're going to grow fine. And you know what? You get those in perfect condition, like really great peak of health. They're going to shine. They're going to shine from across the room and in a way that, you know, any rainbow coral from across the room is brown. All those colors like bleed together. And unless you're looking at it through like a mesoscope uh, or a macro lens, like you're just not going to see that um, from a day to day to day. And so there's definitely this, um, uh, this digital aspect to the reef aquarium hobby where people are enjoying pictures of corals and being part of a club more than they're enjoying looking at their actual corals analog you know face to face i think i said in the last podcast uh, i had this weird epiphany that i was like i'm sort of like i've sort of become a planted tank guy trapped in a reef keeper's body because one <clears throat> the aesthetic of the whole tank matters to me right like i don't want a freaking trident or reef bot or alcatronic and i don't i don't want it to look like a science project i like everything simple mm-hmm. and just kind of functioning kind of natural but I also like just the the I like particular corals because they're interesting and they're pretty like everybody else. But it's also about the aquascape and about growing out large colonies. And, and mm-hmm. we talked about how the most common thing in the most common fish or coral, but in pika health, is 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 a jaw dropper, right? Mm-hmm. So and I mean. So for me, it's like, I'm happy just to aquascape up a softy tank and then throw some fish that I like in it and just enjoy the tank and not stress about it. And to your point, do I have holy grail fish? Yeah, I my my holy grail fish is a conspiculatus angel, which I'm sure is a holy grail for many people. And I know uh-huh. you've got some. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the other one is resplendent angel, but for, you know, I was stupid not to buy one of Frank's when he was captive breeding those because I thought $600 was too much. Um, but yeah, if I bought a $3,000 fish and put it in my tank, I wouldn't be able to sleep at night, man. I'd be so stressed about that thing. Uh, Mm -hmm. vacations would suck. Yep. And this sort of is a seesaw. I don't want to sound like a hypocrite where we were talking about the more expensive something is, the more likely you are to care for it. But that is, I still think that's true, but it gets, it can get to an extreme. If something's so expensive that you have your, your level of, responsibility and worry increases to the point that it's no longer enjoyable Mm -hmm. that's the problem right like i i treat a 20 dollars fish with the utmost care which means when you give me a three thousand dollar fish i'm gonna go insane right yeah yeah absolutely so um so i hear you on that man yeah so you know one of the corals that was hard for me to find bro was regular purple digitata and it was very frustrating to see German blue polyp modipore digitata uh, being sold as purple digitata over and over again. Like, do you not know what a purple digitata looks like or what it can do? And, um, you know, Have you uh, found one. I, I don't oh, yeah, see yeah, I got, one. I, in you know, what's eternity. funny is I bought three frags from some spot and it was like 40 bucks for a bunch of frags. Shipping was more than the purple digitata because they're just like, well, get this out of here. And like that same week, I walked into a store, there was a pile that someone had brought in there was just sitting there on the ground like ready to be you know glued like on the bottom of an aquarium ready to be glued and the store just gave it to me <laughs> so i spent like i don't know 75 80 getting three 
you know, nicely mounted frags. And then I got a handful in a Ziploc bag for free that I had to mount myself. And that was, you know, that now I have a lot more of. Um, but um, you know what I bought recently? It's funny, I've had four Galaxia strains for, I don't know, six, seven years. But I have, uh, you know, I have a, a golden one with a green uh, sheen. I have a, a yellow one with a green mouth. I have a, a solid kind of standard yellow Galaxia. And then I have one like the neon green uh, hedgehog style Galaxias with like a brown mouth. And it just occurred to me, it's like, you know, I paid a lot of money, well, reasonably amount of money for each of these Galaxias, and they're still growing out. And uh, just the other day at the store, you know what I did? I got a big old colony of green Galaxia for fifty dollars. Fifty dollars, and you know, when that thing is just like presented properly, and it gets large and, and long, flowy polyps, it's gonna be crazy. It's gonna be awesome. It's gonna be right next to the golds, and you know, just random people who see them, they might someone point out the gold, but they're gonna point out the bigger one with the crazy flowing polyps. So yeah, I'm, I'm definitely circling back. I'm like, I just want to grow out big fields of green star polyp, um, green oh, yeah. clove polyps, orange clove polyps, um, staghorns. Like, I don't care if it's brown or it has blue tips. Just I want a bunch of staghorns and just normal, healthy, low-stress low stuff that I just I will just enjoy it so much more, to your point, because um, I'm just going to let it grow and grow and grow, and uh, it's going to be a big, large, showy, you know, showcase colony that will really demonstrate the unique deter details, features, and characteristics of a mature colony. The centerpiece of my tank is a leather coral that's 15 inches wide with, like, these white polyps, right? It's, a, it's just common leather. Um, I've had it since it was a frag, right? So there's just the best feeling to see a coral that you grew from a frag to something bigger than a basketball, right? Mm -hmm. And, man, when it's flowing in the current with, like, three, like three billion polyps, I mean, and everybody that comes in my house is, that's the thing they're drawn to, right? A big brown leather coral. But it's just, it's in a peak of health. It's big. Um, it's funny. I have one that I'm sure you're going to appreciate. It's the one that's my mangrove tank lit with the Kessels. It's not brown. And it's not the, you know, Fiji yellow leather, but it's what used to be called like a gold crown leather. So it's like a light canary yellow with kind of whiter polyps. And when that thing's open up and then super happy, it's just, it, it steals the, the spotlight in that tank, you know, filled with purple torts and purple milk of stylo, green astropore, <laughs> red, you know, thin branching, all kinds of like brighter stuff. But that light yellow saffron uh, sarcophyton is just, it's an awesome piece. I, I, need, I need to frag it up and make sure I spread it around a little bit. But it, it definitely circles around to your, con you know, our, we both said you don't have to buy these things. So, you know, they're, if people want to sell at a price they want to sell, more power to them. And it's more power to us if we want to buy it at that price or not. At the end of the day, you know, um, I, I sometimes get a little disenchanted when I'm on Instagram and I start to kind of feel, I don't know, icky about the hobby. Um, yeah, and then yeah. I just got to take a step back and either talk to you or just tinker <laughs> with my tank, and I'm like, oh yeah, there's still a, a good a zone in there, you know. Therapy, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it makes me happy. Like I'm like, you know, th this hobby is still fun if you get away from that madness. Uh, the hype, man. The the echo chamber. I I, I haven't really been on aquarium forums in over ten years, and man, I can't think of any coral that I haven't been able to get later. 
Yeah. Right? We're not talking about like showcase, like, you know, really sensational pieces of homophilia australis or acanthophilia um, or, or certain lobos, but everything that's propagatable. I've always found it multiple times and I could just wait until the, the quality and the size and the price is something that I want to pull the trigger. I want to pull the trigger on that. I don't even have to think about it. I was like, Oh, all right. You know, that's a fair price. I've been waiting a long time for this coral. And, uh, but yeah, so, you know, a coral in the Pico health is always just going to be so much better than, you know, a, a hype coral that just happens to just have the, the club card that you can say, Oh, I have a piece of that in my tank too. And don't get me wrong, there are um, hyped up corals right now that I think are really cool and really interesting, and I'm very excited to own one day. But like you, I'll probably wait it out, right? Um, and some of them are getting reasonable. Like there's, you know, there's corals that I want that are now averaging about a hundred bucks a frag, and okay, you know, that's still kind of steepish for me, but it's doable at that price, right? Uh, that's something where, like, if I'm only buying a coral every other month or or maybe two in one month, mm-hmm. it, yeah, I could probably manage that, right? Like, that'll be all right. Um, so, um, I, I, for one, am very much look, looking forward to about six to 12 months down the road. I am going to clean up on some larger pieces of no-name bright pink low price pink tenuous because uh, I, don't, I don't really want the rainbow but i would love like a nice chunk of you know pink tenuous that grabs me from across the room but i will literally wait i know these are where these are coming from they're being produced in mass you know in indonesia and they're literally ramping up um you know the supply to try to meet the demand and at some point those two are going to invert and i'm going to find you know a nice big call not big oh colony right aquarium colony you know three inches across maybe 150 to 200 bucks it'll be amazing and not gonna buy a little booger that in a year or two is just gonna be like a a few branches about the size of your shirt i'm luckily the uh euphilia hype the torch hype uh, i'm i'm immune to it because uh euphilia is um my skin tends to like i get like um bumps if i touch one so whatever nematocyst actions happening those corals like it just doesn't play nice with me um so i that's why i stopped keeping the rr the hammer that we had swapped between i still Mm -hmm. have it it always shows up in my tank but um but i wish people would get bored with the cyclos and the fungus that'd be cool because there's i've been wanting uh stop telling them (laughs) stop giving them ideas for boring corals (laughs) oh yeah you don't want cyclosiris yeah, especially I mean, the orange and green ones and, or the and red especially ones. Go, go to your store and ask for Cyclosaris. I'm sure they're going to have a ton. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a I little just, bit inside joke because they're all called fungi these days. Yeah, yeah, no, I they're they're, they're really boring. Don't buy those. Yeah, but uh, you know, um, I guess to, to kind of put it back on on the value proposition of corals, and I'm and, and, and I think everything we've said sort of applies to marine fish, but mostly corals because. You know, you, you, you buy uh, an annularis angel from one guy or the next guy. Like, the, the, the marine species are really, uh, marine fish species are really homogenous. You know, yeah. there's going to be a little bit of variation, and especially in the quality. But when it comes to corals, it's like all over the map. And I'm, I'm glad we haven't really talked specific <laughs> on, on prices. We haven't had to, um, you know, point the figure in anything. No. But for the best value, man, is it's going to be that coral that someone gave you that they loved. They loved it so much that it would be disrespectful to sell it for a dollar. 
or a hundred dollars, right? It, to, the, to respect that coral is to give it to one of your friends to make sure you can get it back. I have a handful of corals here I got back from you. I have a handful of corals here I've gotten back from other reefers that have been part of my reef aquarium uh, experience, lifelong experience over 20 years. And if I hadn't just, if I'd sold you those corals, 15 years ago, I'd be such a douche. <laughs> yeah. You know? And, um, and those corals are, and, and that's the thing that that's how you, if you want to know how you end up with a tank like mine, where it's just a buttload of common cheap corals is because you end up holding on to a lot of sentimental corals that have a story. And so it's hard to get rid of a coral that has a story that like, you know, is interesting because a friend gave it to you or, you you know you you and a buddy went in on that at a at a reef convention ten years ago or something, like you end up with all these corals with history and you don't want to get rid of those and make room for the latest frag right so you get no. sentimental and the next thing you know you got a lot of common corals that maybe were rare ten years ago, but that's okay like that's a great tank to sit and drink a beer in front of right. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, very recently I was able to um, uh, return the favor. Uh, of some corals that were entrusted to me and this party had lost them and I just sent them back and I sent them back bigger than when I got them and uh, man that's that's the hobby right there that's that stuff you'll be talking about we'll be talking about till we're old you know not uh, you know a $300 booger of some Looney Tunes whatchamacallit <laughs> you know you'll you forget that frag you will totally forget that frag but yeah I think we've I feel like we've made some interesting points about coral costs and pricing and value with some very little specifics. And, yeah, uh, and there, there, again, I, I don't think we came off as judgmental about it because economics 101 is the value is there if people are willing to pay for it. Yeah, people are willing to absolutely. pay $600 for frag. Well, if there's demand at that price point, then sure, dude, sell it at that price point. I, I get it. So uh, no judgment there, but... It, but it's hard to understand how they price things sometimes at the same well, time. Well, there's there's so many new people getting in the hobby and there's so many new people getting into the industry that there's just not very many rules and there's I mean it's not it doesn't have to be a rule, right? It just may be like a, a a gentleman's agreement, you know, yeah. a general understanding of how the stuff is supposed to be priced and um you know what it's worth. Agreed. So um, yeah, I think that's a good pin in that conversation. Uh, I, I hope it doesn't leave people more confused than when they started, but, um, it should, <laughs> well, it, you yeah. know, the, the, the produce analogy and the grading, that's something I would like to see more of, you know, don't give me a silly name for every single thing. When Australia first opened up, you had B grades, you had A grades and you had premium. And later on, you had just like a small amount of ultra. And that was like really much easier and natural to navigate, you know, and just all these silly prices, like, you know, especially the torches. All right. You know, give me the A grade, the B, you know, A grade premium and occasionally the ultra. But again, that, that just that falls on the eye of the beholder and, and where you're at. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, I mean, I, I we probably contradicted ourselves here and there but i think that's what makes for a healthy debate as well contradicted ourselves a lot but that's what happens when two guys are sitting let's say at a bar discussing two hobbyists right and they're discussing this that's uh, that's sort of where this went right like we don't have the answers on this or i don't think our opinion is trumps anybody else's opinion like i'm right you're wrong it's kind of a gray area right because yeah 
like I said, I don't like the the pricing, but I do like the fact that there's more people in the business of selling corals today than there were 20 years ago. Absolutely. And, you know, for my part, like I've gone down that road all the way to the end. I spent a a lot of money on one single clam and it's stressing me out, although it's looking (laughs) fine today. And I am really circling back to be like, you know what? What do I enjoy from across the room? What's not going to give me any headaches? What is going to thrive in, you know, a baseline of conditions? You know what? That's the coral I want. And I really feel that strongly about the corals and the fish. And um, that's going to be my where my reef aquarium budget is allocated for the next six months to a year. Like, for sure. Like, give me the common stuff. I'm always going to have an eye out for the super exotics. But yeah. they're not going to be anything that anyone else is, lo- is looking out for anyway a lot of brown corals on my on my coral shopping list for sure i look forward <laughs> to your mushroom green star polyp reef <laughs> uh yeah yeah it, it's coming i'm working on some anemones right you now. you got to get the branching green star polyp that uh herlock had that stuff was cool it's, it's around but the, the hobby has not focused on that so it's really hard to just call somebody up and be like hey you got any branching green star polyp i know just, I've, i'll keep an eye out for it it's I'll not easy it here to and there. find yeah and to be honest when it's fully grown out it's not that great it takes yeah, up a lot yeah. of room to, sh- to, it needs a giant tank for branching green star polyp to really, you know, like glow and, and be impressive. So, you know, I'll do my best, but yeah, I, I've got plenty of pieces of green star polyps around, but now I'm like, all right, well, I want a couple of varieties of green star polyps. Let me get some briarium and some pachyclavularia and... But yeah, that's a conversation for another one. But bro, I am so glad you're going to be out here in like three or yeah. four weeks. Yeah, about, yeah. Oh, my Lord. We're going to have to do something really special for that. Maybe I'll, I'll maybe we'll come up with some prizes. Maybe I might I might, uh, might pull a couple strings and see if we can do something fun and live. So if you're watching this on YouTube, uh, make sure to put those comments down below of what you want me, uh, Mark, and I to do when we get together live. This thing's um, heavy, by the way. I'm going to put it in my suitcase. It's going <laughs> to add some weight. I got two inputs on um, yeah. my my Scarlet. So right, cool. that's one less thing to bring. But, you know, bring the cable i'm sure it's attached um but yeah thanks to everybody for tuning in for another session of reef therapy um of all the thing the content that i've produced in the reef aquarium hobby i had no idea that this would be resonate the most with such a wide audience and um this has been one of the most rewarding experiences of uh, my reef aquarium um, career like for sure so really want to thank everybody for all the feedback that they give you know mark vanderwallops totally irreplaceable i'm not sure if we'll ever have a guest man <laughs> we have our format it's locked in but it'll have to be a very special uh, occasion so yeah so. this is this experience has blown my mind i've really enjoyed it and i i've really appreciated you know all the positive feedback and stuff it's it's uh it's made my day uh you got recognized times. at a reef store recently right yeah, it was a cool, uh, was cool guy voice? at the local fish store. Uh, Do you think your voice uh, tips it off? I don't know. He said he said I look different in person, so uh, <laughs> that could be that. Uh, but uh, no, he was a he was a nice guy. He said he really liked uh, the reef therapy format. Um, so uh, that that totally made my day as well. You know, it's, just, it's literally two very old pals sitting down drinking some beers, talking about reef tanks, and uh, just trying to keep it as real as possible, and uh, just give people some insights into, you know, what their reef aquarium experience might have for them down the road. It's a good way to put it. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Mark. All right, we're gonna put in a pin in it. 
in it for this session. Thanks to you all. Make sure to subscribe and rate us on your favorite podcatcher. And if you have any questions, if you're watching on this YouTube, Mark and I are always watching those comments and we'll be there to, uh, you know, participate and engage. So until next session, Mark, we'll talk to you soon, buddy. Good to talk to you again, Jake. All right.